Welcome to episode 53 of Frank Reactions, the show where we help you profit from the digital era through better customer experiences online and off. My name's Tema Frank. A few weeks ago, I sat down with two of the people I admire most to talk about change. Sandra Voitas is a longtime educator and advisor to governments, nonprofits, and businesses, including recently the Edmonton Oilers hockey team, which is a bit of a change for her. She holds an honorary doctorate of laws from the University of Alberta and has an amazing ability to prod people into action so cheerfully and with such laughter that they don't even realize they've been prodded. She is truly an inspiring leader. Mariana Consolos is a serial entrepreneur who's soaking up the sun in Miami today, having recently sold her successful fashion accessories business that she built up from nothing 15 years ago when she was an immigrant in a new country where she barely spoke the language when she arrived. Again, truly an inspiring person. Our discussion covered not only how all of us as individuals can deal better with change, but also, and I think this is what makes it really relevant to listeners of this podcast, how we can be better leaders in helping our staff or others we influence, even our colleagues, deal with change. Enjoy the interview, and I'll talk with you briefly at the end. Sandra, to start with, can you just tell us a little bit about your background? Oh my goodness. Uh, I think I can put it really simply. I'm a tried and true educator. Okay. Okay. I worked in education. I've got a 35 year career in education, which has also involved lots of work in the nonprofit field, uh, leadership development. I've done a fair amount of leadership development, bringing about change in primarily a public school setting. Mm -hmm. And I'm a very active member of our community. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And a very highly regarded one. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but thank you. <laughs> thank you. Is there anything that somebody can do to build up their ability to be resilient? That's a million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> mm. um, let's, just look at, let's just look at what happens with change. Okay. okay. Let's just look at what happens with change. Whether it be in a relationship, whether it be with your family, whether it be with your business, whether it be in a large organization... Sometimes you will see that some people relish change and others don't. Mm -hmm. And quite often is why, there's a reason why people resist change. Yeah. But we've got to remember with change that change, first of all, happens at home. Okay. With who you are as a person. What kind of risks you've taken. People who know what their strengths are and who know how to act upon their strengths and build upon their strengths... And I'm not saying they don't identify their weaknesses, because they do. They just don't concentrate on their weaknesses mm -hmm. as much as they concentrate on their strengths. So if people know that, okay, if change happens, I know I've got organizational skills, I, uh, I've got strength in with, with interpersonal relationships, I also believe that I, I, can, I'm, I can communicate well, I also know that change is not going to kill me at the end, <laughs> then, therefore, when change happens, I may more be more resilient to it. Okay. People who don't know themselves well, who don't know who they are, that's why it's so important to know who you are. Uh, I teach leadership. I do leadership development. And I always say two words, know thyself. Mm -hmm. Know thyself, know thyself, know thyself. Know what hill you're about to die on. Know what you're about. Know what your values are. Because what happens, the more you know yourself, the better you are 
going to get into a, you know, the better you know yourself, the better you are going to be in a situation where change comes. Change happens every day. Yeah. Most of change happens every day. Stress happens every day. And quite often we look at stress and change as kind of working harmonious, not harmoniously to get <laughs> harmoniously together. So what happens is some people will give, well, people will give up yeah. and say, I'm done. Other people will say, you know what, I've got something to offer here. And those are people who know thyself. I imagine, I'm looking at Mariana because she's a very successful business person. Do you know who you are? Yes, I do. Yep. Yes. And you know what your strengths are. You know what your weaknesses are. And so I find that the more people know that, and they also, and I think another thing that happens with resiliency is know thyself, Mm -hmm. know thyself very well, know thyself. Accept yourself Accept yourself for who you are. That's a big one I was going to say, because you yeah. may know yourself, but what if the yourself you know is yeah. full of weaknesses instead yeah. of strengths? Yeah, but accept yourself for who you are. I know I am never going to be an iris, okay? An iris? I might be a better tulip, oh. <laughs> okay? I'm not going to go through my life trying to be an iris, mm-hmm. knowing that if I'm going to be a tulip, I'm going to be the best colorful tulip there possibly could <laughs> I, that iris I'm just not going to be but we go to our thoughts think we're always wanting to be something we aren't right another thing we do is quite often we compare ourselves to friends like I look at you Tama I think very well educated beautifully spoken has written a book right come on you've written a book you know t- you know that the whole world of social media is your oyster you know that so well that can be very intimidating <laughs> okay that can be very intimidating to me Right. However, I look at my skill set as different than yours. Absolutely. So my skill set may be different, but what happens quite often, we compare our weaknesses to someone's strengths. Good point. Okay, we compare yeah. our weaknesses to our strengths. And I can remember working with a gal, her name was Crystal Mills. She was the most organized person I ever <laughs> knew in the world. She had posty notes to go to the Xerox machine to make a talk. <laughs> she was so organized. She had Christmas presents bought in July. Like she was, <laughs> and they were wrapped. She was one of those. And I always kept looking at her and thinking, oh, I'm such a failure. Because hmm. I'm not organized like that. I do so much in the seat of my pants. I get it done, but it's like a midnight hour or I'm scrambling <laughs> to do it. Yeah. But then I looked, I said, but you know what? I'm a better cook. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm a better cook. But quite often we don't, we comp- we don't compare ourselves. We compare ourselves and we compare ourselves to celebrities. Mm-hmm. Which I, like, I think Oprah's saying the new, the, like 60 is going to be the new 40. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be 40 again. <laughs> I don't want to be 40 again. Like, let's just look. Let's not be the best person you possibly can. Yes. Being the tulip yes. or the iris or whatever. But I think we spend way too much time comparing our comparing our comparing ourselves to people's strengths, not our own strengths. That is a really good point. But I think you know, in in when you are in a group of woman that. You know, you really see the differences and you know your differences and you can combine those strengths together. It's when, you know, that's how I feel with Tema. You see, I admire her for all her knowledge, for all her academic and all that part. But I think on the other side, I feel she appreciated me because I'm like a go-getter and I'm never like, I'm a colorful, I'm out there, I'm never shy, I'm never... so. If you can find the right friends or the right mm-hmm. people that, you know, you can blend the strength together and right. stop comparing, yes. because that is mm-hmm. a problem. Yeah. When you become smaller 
by comparison with other people. But you can become bigger because you're putting together. Well, and the other thing that I find that I fall victim to from time to time is I will look at the absolute elite in a field and think, oh, well, I'm not as good as them, so I'm no good, which is totally stupid. They probably can't cook. <laughs> Neither can I. Okay, okay. <laughs> I might make a good batch of cookies. Okay. But, yeah. okay. but you know, Tim, I think that, and this is something I remember I was told when I was very little. My mother used to tell me all the time, oh, you want to change the world? That won't happen. And a teacher of mine, she said to me, Yes, you want to change the world, continue. But yep. you're going to change your small world, the people that you know around. And if you achieve that, then that people can change other worlds. Yes, the ripple so, effect. Yeah. Yes, and not trying to, you know, if you look at the elite, of course you're going to be yeah. feeling bad. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think, I, and I'm just, I am have a hunch here. I, I just know about you and Tama's relationship. And I and I've had, and I know I had, I did a pro. I was involved in kind of the ground roots of something you were involved with previously. Mm-hmm. I think also what happened, I find that people who know themselves and who understand, you know, what their strengths are, are also capable of asking for help. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we have to continually teach and coach for children, adults, seniors, that asking for help is a sign of confidence. It's not a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. We have a long ways to go. I totally agree. We have a long ways to go. Also admitting ignorance about something, mm-hmm. which can be really hard to do. Yeah. And I think that and we need to really work on that. And that's why it's really important that we surround ourselves with people mm-hmm. that we trust. So I can say to Tema, I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> Tema, when it comes to a podcast. Yes. You know, who where, where, how does that fit into the world? But to have that confidence to say it, plus knowing that Tama's not going to judge me and say, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard anybody say, yes. rather than saying that person's curious and wants to learn something. Right, yes. absolutely. Yes. And I think we have, organize, we, have, we have organizations throughout this world where we spend more time concentrating what, what people aren't doing right, yeah. as opposed to what are we doing to polish. I think we spend way too much time watering the rocks, and not enough time polishing the stars. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I read a book many years ago by Peter Drucker. It was one mm-hmm. of his first books called The Effective Executive. And if you can get past the fact that it's always a he, because this was written yeah. in, I don't know, the 40s or 50s <laughs> or something. But his main point in there is play to people's strengths, because you're not going to be able to overcome their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But if you focus on their strengths, you can create something wonderful. Yeah. So... It raises the question then in my mind, um, and it also comes up, I guess, because uh, in my other podcast, the Frank Reactions Show, I was interviewing somebody who was saying that she thinks that leaders in organizations are often too afraid of being vulnerable and of being questioned and, and that they need to be able to do that. So what would you say are some of the differences between having resilience as a person versus in an organization or as an organization. Okay. I think there's a there's a great video. It's a TED Talk mm-hmm. by Margaret Heffernan, okay. Hefferman. And she, and she talks about we don't need to have more super chickens. Hmm. And it's wonderful because she talks about we have built organizations 
on super chickens, like <laughs> on superpowers, super executives, where we think they have all the answers. And when you look at that, it's not got, we feel that many, that's where I think a lot of our organizations have got stuck, mm-hmm. have really got stuck. As opposed to looking, how can we level the playing field? And how can we all together know that we need to work with each other towards a pro, to, towards to something that we need to that, that we need to solve? I don't think we're there yet. I think we're still trying to breed super chickens. <laughs> you know, the super chicken, the boss. You know, me boss, you not. Yep. And how we have to move to create working atmospheres that aren't based on this pecking order. Yeah. Of you, you boss me not. Mm-hmm. As and having, and I think also, I think what ha- I think I see this, I see in this many organizations, people surround themselves with people much like themselves. Yeah. Rather than you know, you need to have someone come in there that's very different than you. Yeah. You need to someone that's going to come in there and make someone's short. It's going to make your shorts tight, <laughs> or who will ask some questions like which genius thought of this? Yeah. But quite often, if you look at organizations. I don't care if it's a management level or if it's a high executive level. We tend to surround ourselves with people who are much like us. I've been having that debate with some people online because they keep telling you it's really important that you hire for fit, for cultural fit. But if you're just hiring for cultural fit, then you're surrounding yourself with people like you. And you know what? People eat culture for breakfast. People will eat organizational culture for breakfast. What do you mean? They, you know, it's, I think we have, I think we have this, we have this thing about, we think of, I don't know if culture is even attainable. Hmm. Okay. I think it's about how do, I think it's about relation, how well, how well do we relate to one another? Mm-hmm. How are we, how are we treating each other? What kind of relationships are we building here? How can we best work together? So we all, it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's where I think you, you begin to surround yourselves by very different people. When I staffed school, when I was staffing for when I was a school principal, I made sure I had I had I really liked to I wanted the young people I wanted people from twenty one to fifty mm-hmm. to sixty actually sixty because each one of them bring a different particular strength. Yeah. You need some of this the the energy of youth mm-hmm. yes. is always wonderful to see, but quite often they come in they need lots of mentoring. Yes. Do you have a good staff that can help coach them and bring them around? You need, I think we have to be far more mindful mindful in looking at people's stages of human development. Because mm-hmm. where people are at 50 are very different than where they are at 35. That's sure. what we did at the start. Is that, can you tell me how yes. you did that? So we had people that they were very experienced. And they will come just for the fun of it. They will mm-hmm. come during the weekends. So they brought a different energy. They didn't come because they needed the money. They were not yeah. like money hungry or... And then you had the people who who have missions, like the Filipinos, that they were like, you know, raising their kids or sending money back home. And then we will have men and then we will have women. So it really brings a different energy to the place. When we were all the same age group, everything, it was boring. It also makes it harder in a way for your customers to relate to you because you're then... Focusing on such a narrow segment. I mean, niche is good, but Mm -hmm. you want to be able to move a little bit beyond, ultimately. And I think, you know, customers need different, like, personalities. Absolutely. Because you don't connect with everybody the same way. Right. So there were customers that I will start helping, and I see I don't have any connection, and I will 
pass it on to another of the girls, and they will have the connection. That ever so, happened that you couldn't form a connection with a customer? Oh, yes. Really? Oh, yes. Because I always thought you're yeah. so natural at that. I know. There are some people that they were like, you know, they they think they are too old or they want somebody younger. So, you know, if okay. I will pass on. And, and I get it. And I, it's not personal. Right. I don't take it personal. I see, I, I see it like, well, we have that option. And that was the idea to have a variety of personalities and and different skills for how'd sure. How'd you get so smart fast? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, how did you get that smart so fast? It's no fast, and that's the problem. People think that I started to do business, you know, when I opened the store. But I, mm. I'm in business since I was 17. Yeah. So you know, you and I'm an observer. Even if I'm talking, I'm an observer. So I like to look at the people and human reactions, how they act, what they like, what they don't like. So, especially because my personality is an empath, so I try to please others, I try to make them feel good. So, you're always watching what makes yeah. them feel good. Yeah, you know, I read somewhere, somewhere, I don't know, and it was, and I think, and I just think of your shop and how you did this. If you provide great service to your staff, they'll provide great service to your clients. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And 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 it sounded, it sounded. I read that on my blog. Is that on your blog? <laughs> okay. Could be. Okay. But I just think how simple that is. Mm-hmm. But we don't. We get hung up on other stuff, right? Rather than thinking, you know, how you treat. It's a ripple. How you treat people. There's a ripple. There's a that. reason for the golden rule, right? I mean, the do unto others as yeah. you would have done unto you. Yeah. It basically kind of works. That is the the concept, you know. If you. Just try to touch the closest people you have surrounded you. Yeah. And it's not a big, like, thing to do it. Mm-hmm. And you can make changes around you with, like, the 10 people that they are close to you and you can help somehow. I think that is the best you can do because those 10 people will want to give back to the others. That's a really good philosophy because I know in my own life I tend to think big and then get overcome by the fact that it's too big. So, but I wanted to pick up on something else you said, Mariana, you you made the comment, don't take it personally. So do either of you have any strategies for people how to learn not to take it personally? Well, I think that big, I think people who have thin skin, for lack of better words, Mm -hmm. who've got thin skin, um, their, their feelings get hurt. They come from a place of hurt. Yeah, and so we, they ha- you have to look at they have to. I think we have to help them understand. Okay, why is that hurting you? Like, I think there has we have to look at some. I think there's some root causes for that because there's some people who get hurt very easily or hold a grudge for a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I know I know someone. I keep telling who holds a grudge, and I keep telling her. It's like getting stung by the same bee a thousand times. Uh, <laughs> or yeah. you wanted to give the person that you're mad at the poison, but you've taken it instead. Good yes. point. But it's true. Like, yeah. So you find... So, but I think that's when you got to have relationships with people to get to some of the core causes of it. And okay. My, my taking is, you know, I got to this realization, and it took me a long time, is uh, that, you know, I'm not that important. And not everything is about me. Yeah. You know what? Mm-hmm. People can say things because they're having a bad day. They're having... And it's my choice to take it or not. Mm-hmm. So I cannot change what the world says or the world does. 
but I can change how I take it. Yeah. If, and if I don't think that I'm so important that everything is about me, because when, you know, it's incredible, but every time that I go to the mountains, I go to Jasper and I go, and I see the thousands of millions of trees and the amounts of water and nature and that, and you think about me, I'm nothing. <laughs> I'm really nothing. Yeah. So who am I to think that I'm so important that yeah. all the world is doing things to me? Mm-hmm. So... When you take yourself as part of the universe and you really separate yourself of your selfishness and self-centered and all that, it's not anymore about you. Interesting. It's true. I've, I've had, I, I change jobs every five years if I need to or not. <laughs> I'm, it's, it's just been my rule of thumb. I've always done it. And you know what? Um, you, that's what you learn real quickly. You are very replaceable. Yeah. yeah, you are so replaceable. The people come in. <laughs> I've, I've, and you know, like I always think about when a, when a, a person who followed me, I built a really good foundation. But this person came in and she she put in better windows. <laughs> she put in way better windows. Mm-hmm. But I think if you take yourself seriously in that, oh, I, I I'm the only one that has the answer, and yeah. my, uh, you, you know what? You're not. I don't. You don't inspire anyone. Yeah, you know, because people think you're in the if you got you're in control of all the answers. Mm-hmm. No, I've learned long time ago, in that uh, if you take yourself too seriously, not much gets done. So, Sandra, why have you changed jobs every five years? Do you get bored after? No, because I think by that point, uh, people are really sick of me. It's time to move. I think it's healthy. I think it's healthier for me. I think it's healthier for me. I think it's healthy for the it's healthier for the place where I'm working. Mm-hmm. Um, my job there is to every my job is to share whatever knowledge and expertise I have and teach all the time, so that when I leave, people have got the skills, yeah, and they can move on. I think, and I, I see this. I also see this, and I find it so I find it perplexing is. I think you always remember the bridge that got you there. You yeah. always remember the bridge that got you there. Mm-hmm. And I find every job that I've got, I've learned from the person whose job I've taken. Yeah. Or whose, whose job was similar to mine. And there's a whole bunch of wisdom that, that's around yeah. that we need to go to and say, teach me something. Like, what can you teach me? But I find there's quite often, I find this in, in, in leaders, they've not shared their skill set. Hmm. They've, they've, uh, because it gives them power. Yeah, yes. it gives them, you know, you know, I'm in control. I, I having information is power, mm-hmm. and that's when you see some people. That's when you get really stuck in change. Yep. Well, and also, those are not leaders. Those are no. not leaders. <laughs> and no, often, they're just in those kind of positions. Yes. yes. Well, and I think often too, they're doing that because, in fact they're not sure they're making the right decisions and they figure the less people know yeah the more likely they can cover up if they screwed up yeah and it's really hard to admit that you don't know all the answers but you're going to come up with much better answers if you are asking for help from mm-hmm. others yeah but i'm thinking about changing every five years because i did it a lot that before and now i was so but you're changing again well but it's throwing her because this time it was longer than five years (laughs) yes it was well i think it it's a different 
it was a different situation. I I got to be very, very comfortable. Yeah. And I think that is a problem as well. I don't know if you find that too, that when you get too comfortable you stop learning. I think yes, I can happen. That's why I've been always that's why I've been so active in my volunteer life. Mm. In that I believe that I can't I cannot get all, all what I need from a job. Yeah. You know, I, although I've been very fortunate to have some good professional development, some good stuff, and, and and learn on the job and learn from others, I've always made sure that I had another that I had another leg mm-hmm. in in the in the in the community. Yeah. Because I have learned so much from sitting on boards. Yeah. I have learned so much from volunteer from being shoulder to shoulder piling chairs at events. <laughs> right? Because not every you know because it was part of being part of being part of a group is. You better be willing to do whatever is required. Yep. I've learned great stuff from people washing dishes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, from people that who work in very different occupations and yes. very different professions than mine. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Um, right now, I sit. On, I sit on uh, the city of Edmonton Women's Advisory Voice. Mm. I am the oldest. <laughs> I am the oldest. I wear the most sensible shoes. <laughs> and there are women on that group from all fa- from all sectors. All corners of the world, um, and plus there's some very young women. Mm-hmm. I don't. I would not gain this knowledge from working day to day in my in my regular job. Right. Uh, so that has really helped me remain. And yes, after five years, right. I think I, I, you start I think to I, a you start to stagnate a little, yeah. and you think, or you think, oh God, haven't we been through this already? When you yes. get to that stage, it's time, it's time to, to move on. Yeah. It's time to move on and do something else. But I think it's my experience from outside of the profession, the experiences yeah. I've had that I've learned so much from. But Sandra, you love change. I love change, but I live with a man who hates change. Interesting. So he hates change. So I under, So okay. whenever I whenever I'm in a project which brings about change, he is my non. He is my example. <laughs> I always think of him. Okay. Because there are people like Tom everywhere mm-hmm. who are not change agents. He is not a change agent. I'm a change agent. I'm like, come on, let's go, let's get <laughs> but you're going. You're adrenaline going. Yeah, let's right? get going. Let's get going. But quite often, you get a whole group of change agents in one room. <laughs> not good. No, it's not good. It's so, not good. So, what do you do to bring along people like him when there is a need for change? Okay. Um, my first, my first job. I was a special ed teacher. Yeah. I was a special education teacher. So how do we teach kids who have difficult learning, difficulty learning, a concept? You break everything down. Mm-hmm. So how do we break things down so people can, so that so students can learn? It's the same thing. Learn. So you, you move know, forward a millimeter at a time. You, but dealing with adults is like dealing with a classroom. Yeah. You're going to have your average. You're going to have your... You're going to have... Your your the kid the the kids that excel mm-hmm. and you're going to have kids who you're going to have adults who struggle, right? And so you make sure you build relationships with people. There's got to be trust. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't believe in, in and I never believed in supervising people the same way because okay. I can't supervise someone who's 21 and just starting their career the same way as I can supervise someone who's 50. Right? How do we supervise people? We all get a little manual that says here's. Here's what the performance appraisal needs to look at, mm-hmm. right? And you can't treat individuals the same, right? And some people who relish change, you don't spend as much time with them. Yeah, 
Because they don't need it. They don't need it, as opposed to someone who's, I don't like it, I don't like it. So what do you think it makes a person love change or hate change or afraid of change? Oh, what do I think? I think they haven't had some of the experience. I don't think they've had some of the successes that we may have had, or they might have not learned from their failures or not. They might have not learned from their failures. Or they just like their world. Okay, they just like that particular world or that particular what their job is and what that job has continued to be. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think we fail those people by not working with them. Mm-hmm. I think we fail a whole bunch of people by saying, oh, they're just like that, they're cranky. And I don't think, and I think we've not supervised them. I don't think we've, I don't think we've supervised them the right way because I think we should always be looking at them as learners and yeah. how can we help them, how can we encourage them. But do you believe some people don't want to change? I think they're scared. I think there's fearfulness to it. But sometimes I shouldn't change because sometimes the change is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> haven't we been there? Oh, yeah. We, haven't you guys seen some stuff that happened? Like I've, like yeah, I've been with large course. organizations. Uh, yes. And it's like, why, people have not, people have, they have not, they've not asked, they've not asked the people who are going to do the work. Right. They, you know, they think, oh, we're going to change this. And so they come and say, okay, everyone, here's what we're going to do. Tama, you're going to do this now. Mariana, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Rather, than say, rather than bringing those people in and saying, okay, we have a problem here. This is, what the, this is, a, this is perceived as a problem. How do you suppose, we, we, how can we help this problem? We very seldom talk, involve the people. Which is with. so stupid. It is so stupid. Yeah. Rather than have that conversation. Because I've been, I've been at places where... It's excess uncertainty, uncertainty because we don't understand why the change was necessary. <laughs> and yeah. no one asked us. Yes. Right. Or you have, or there, I've also been involved in, where there's been, okay, well, there's going to be, there's great input, very expensive. We usually bring in a consultant <laughs> with very fancy shoes, usually <laughs> right? We bring a very well-dressed consultant, very fancy shoes, and she or he tells us what's wrong with us. And then they do all this. They get all this participation and input. And then nothing happens at the end. Yes. Yeah. So no implementation. See, right? And so you can see why people get cynical. Absolutely. Yes. Get People get cynical. Yes. And it all goes down to, and I think, it, it all goes down to something which is, they call a soft skill, but I think is the hardest skill, is talking to people. Working with them one on one, one on two, getting your getting your people who are getting your people who are the cheerleaders helping you, you know, use the talent that's in the room. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I I've, I've I've been I've been at the end of just failures of change, mm-hmm. like just ridiculous <laughs> energy that went into something that never came that never came for so you get cynical yeah but i've also been part of a very exciting change where it was done by asking people who the change was actually going to happen to yeah what their input was i think we have to i think sometimes i think we have to move slower and change than we would like mm, yeah because the only that likes change is a wet baby and so i think that happens and i think Quite often, change is disruptive. Absolutely. And people don't want it to be disruptive. Yes. But the reality is we're in a disrupted world. Yes. So I think you really have to be living in a very remote, remote kind of 
place yeah. if you're not going to have to deal with change. Yeah. And even there, you're dealing with climate change or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, I think change is inevitable. Yeah. I, I was telling, I was talking to Tema that, you know, I was walking downtown and I look up and I see all these cubicles and it makes me sick to my stomach. Think about all those people that they are so, like, dragging and counting the days <laughs> and, you know. And I think that it was so funny because I would go with my scarves, which was not a thread, and I could talk about change with them mm-hmm. and they were willing and they were like coming and try the things because it wasn't a threat because it was okay let's play yeah yeah and i wasn't telling you come on your pencil skirt and your high heels <laughs> yes come in my comfy shoes and my leggings and you know play together so i think that is something that it, it can be work and that's what i i'm not sure how to approach because i think that people they say they don't want to change, but I go to their desks and I see that there is the countdown of the days they are going to so retire. Clear, yeah, so clearly they're not happy. And so, if you're not happy, why not try and change for the better? So, you know, when I say the, the ultimate thing is freedom, right? Is be free, be free to make decisions. You want to change every five years, you want to travel, you want to buy everything to your kids you want to buy all the tabs in the world that makes you happy whatever but it's freedom it's freedom to make decisions but I think people don't see us the top priority and that's something that I'm I'm more concerned because you know I remember one time you asked me what made me resilient Mm -hmm. and I think that was what made me resilient I, I believe that money comes attached with strings especially when it comes from parents or when it comes from investors. You know, people go like crazy <laughs> and they go, oh my gosh, I want to go to Dragon's Den and somebody mm-hmm. will invest in my project. They don't know that now they became slaves. <laughs> yes, because yeah. the strings are there. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the reality is we all have a mortgage to pay. Yes. Yeah, the reality is we all have a mortgage to pay our kids to send to college, our you know, kids' teeth need to get fixed at a... <laughs> ridiculous cost. You know what? In South yeah. America, nobody does that. It's a North American thing. Okay. That you need to pull teeth, you need to pull the braces. <laughs> there are things that they're very... That but are they do more weird. plastic surgery than we do. <laughs> but you <laughs> know what? It's, but it's, really? But there is part of your... Uh, well, of it's your just values. Yeah. yeah. But the reality oh, is oh, we yes. all need to go to work. The reality yes. is we have to pay a mortgage. Yes. And the reality is we have to buy groceries. Yes. Pay taxes. That is yes. the reality. I think what happens is we forget. I for, we forget how to play. And I think that you can, coming back to the comments that we were talking about earlier, your comments, Mariana, about the ripples, even if you can't change the total environment, let's say, of the company you work for, you can start making changes in your interactions with the people who are there, which will make them happier and you happier. Mm-hmm. It's doable. But I think it gets to the point where people is so frustrated yeah. that when they get to the point that they are managers, they want to show power. Mm. And that is a problem because they were so frustrated for so many years being treated like badly or like poorly that mm-hmm. when they get there, oh, now I have yeah. the power. Mm-hmm. I remember basic when I started working at retail, you know, to be the manager, you don't use the, the apron. 
Oh my gosh, that was the dream come true, you know, not to use the apron. And whenever you don't use the apron, you were like entitled to boss around everyone and tell them whatever. But you know, it's like parenting. I think managing is managing people is like parenting. We parent like we uh, like we ourselves were parented. Like it or not, we sound like our mothers someday. Too often. Okay? And I think quite often we learn we learn how to manage people through very poor managers. And if you don't and if you don't change if you don't change the if you don't change and go learn from others or go get some good mentoring, like I'm a real believer in mentoring and asking for mentor getting a good mentor, you are gonna land up managing the same way Holy. that you were managed. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And and that's when we that's when you gotta shake things up. Like mm-hmm. I think we really are in a need to shake things up. Yeah. Uh, because there there's a whole bunch of folks who are being managed poorly. Yeah. We've been at this for over half an hour, okay. so we probably should wrap this up. Is there anything else that you want well, to do? Well I just up? I got a great quote okay. from John Quincy Adams. Unfortunately it's American but I couldn't find a Canadian in a hurry. <laughs> It says, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Nice. And I think that's what leading is. And I think think change happens one conversation at a time. Excellent. Thank you so much for being with us, Sandra. Thank Thank you. you Sandra and Mariana. Thank you. Thank you, you, Tama. That's it for today. (laughs) Thanks. One of the comments that came out a few times in the interview that I think may help a lot of listeners is the notion that if you want to change the world, start by changing those around you and start by changing yourself. If you choose to respond to a difficult colleague in a new way, you may discover much to your shock that they stop being so difficult. It's a hard thing to do, but it may be worth a try. Other things that really stood out for me were the importance of diversity in employment and in organizations, which is something I've known and have been preaching for a long time, I guess. But uh, as I said in the interview, there's a little tension between that and the feeling that you want to have a staff or a team who all get along really well together. Well, I think part of the challenge there is hiring people who are comfortable with diversity and with people who will challenge them. As Sandra said, you need people working with you who will be willing to ask difficult questions and who see things from a different perspective. I was also interested in Sandra's comments about how to overcome people's fears of change. For one thing, recognizing that sometimes we have to move a little more slowly than we'd like, but also breaking things down into smaller steps, building trusting relationships with people so that they will follow your lead and be willing to accept your leadership in the direction you're moving. And particularly importantly, supervising individuals based on them and what they need and recognizing that not everybody needs the same type or level of supervision or guidance. And perhaps my favorite quote of the entire interview, which is, the only one who likes change is a wet baby. On that thoughtful note, I would like to wrap up for today. Before I do, just a quick reminder that I am always eager to hear from you. You can reach me by email, T-E-M is in marketing, A, at frankreactions.com. You can telephone me if you're in North America, it's toll free. 1-866-544-9262. You can find me on Twitter simply at Tama Frank. And there's a Frank Reactions Facebook page. And of course, in LinkedIn. 
If you have not subscribed to the podcast, I would suggest you do so. If you enjoy it, please do tell others about it. It would be great if the word could get out. And you might also want to consider signing up for the newsletter. Talk to you again in a week. Bye.